Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's Twins Talk Theater. This week, we have a guy that I met way back at the Norris years and years ago, Jarrell Javier, and he is an actor, a singer, a dancer, a spoken word artist. Uh, he was a camp counselor and was on stage when I was at the Norris, and then he recently just moved out to New York and was on Broadway. Very exciting for someone pretty young. So we're excited to have him on the podcast and hear his story. Hi, everyone. How's it going? I'm so sorry. I didn't know if I was supposed to say hi. No, that's okay. (laughs) Hi is excellent. (laughs) I was going to say being on Broadway is exciting for anybody, even if you're not young. But I guess even more exciting if you're young. But I guess exciting for everybody. Yeah, it was was absolutely. (laughs) No, it was like the best. It was honestly like the most shocking thing, too, because I don't know if we're going to touch on this later, but um, we had no expectations of going to Broadway. We were very much convinced that when we had closed the tour, that it was just done. That was it. We had said our goodbyes. I'd made my peace. And then we got a random call two weeks after and was just like, hey, we found a theater. You're going to be on Broadway. And that was shocking, to say the least. That's kind of, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was lovely because um, I was, we had extended the tour two weeks and then I ended up not being able to do it. Um, Oh, for the listeners, I was on the tour of the lightning thief prior to its transfer to Broadway. So I was involved in the show um, from the tour on. um, And I was unable to do the extension of the tour because I had booked another show at Barrington stage company um, that I had already said yes to and I had already signed papers for. So I was already, I had already said my goodbyes to the show, to the cast, to everything. And then we got a random call and mysterious text messages that I can delve into later from my (laughs) castmates. It was just my castmates were not very good at hiding the surprise because before I even got to talk to our producer, I got like four separate texts from the cast going, hey, boo, what's up? And I was just like... (laughs) y'all don't talk to me like that often what's going on what's the tea and then that kind of gave me the hunch of like oh something might be happening <laughs> <laughs> that is that is excellent okay before we get to what you are well currently somewhat doing because i know nobody's doing anything that exciting right now um how did you get started in theater did you know you wanted to be an actor from early on um my i was a child of um field trip shows and so when I was in elementary school I was able to uh, go to community theater productions in Torrance right so I went to Torrance Elementary and every year they would or at least while I was there they would try to do some sort of theatrical field trip to kind of introduce the arts to the to the school and there was a field trip show to a local production of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat Um, and it was the moment and the performance that really made me realize like, oh, wow, this is something that I not only want to explore further, but something that gives me immense joy, right? I was this like flamboyant, like unknowingly queer, very, very loud and obnoxious child of like 10 or so. (laughs) And seeing so many bright lights and fabulous costumes and great singing and, and people my age 
celebrating themselves on stage, I was like, I remember being there at intermission being like, wow, I want to sing too in front of people. What? And it was just, it was the wildest <laughs> thing because, you know, I was never introduced to that up until that point. Um, and so that's how I got introduced to it. And then later on that year, um, the elementary school had announced that they were going to be producing a self-written musical for the first year ever. It was the first and only time Torrance Elementary put up like a musical that was written by the teachers, directed by the teachers. Um, there were songs that were rewritten lyrics wise by the teachers. It was just a group project. Um, and that was my introduction to it. I, I fell in love with the way that you could be on stage. Um, and one of the teachers from that production introduced me to um, a little theater company in Southern California that I got involved with and helped me get scholarships for because I couldn't afford any of that stuff, um, which eventually led to a high school production where Jason Slider, who was at the time working with the educational department of the Norris, um, he reached out to me after working with me freshman year of high school and told me that, hey, we have a, a shortage of guys in this production. Would you mind coming in and being in an art in our ensemble? We'll like scholarship your um, tuition. We just need guys who can perform. That was and always the case. Isn't that always the truth? We always right. needed guys. <laughs> always, always needed guys. And it was also just like, he knew that I was a dancer, so I would be able to do choreography. And he had worked with me in Camp Rock when we did Camp Rock in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. I helped, I helped build that set. In at Torrance High, yeah, yeah, he pulled, yeah. He pulled Greg was... in to design it, and so me and Chris went down and helped load it in. It was brilliant. <laughs> I remember being like, "This is so cool!" And when the sign, like, there was a sign up top that flipped from like Camp Rock to Camp Star, I thought uh -huh. that was the most brilliant piece of stage <laughs> magic that like fourteen-year-old Jarrell could have ever designed or thought of or seen. I was like, "A sign that flips by a switch? Are you joking?" <laughs> Broadway, um, which showed obviously how um, unexposed I was to just theater in general. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got my beginnings. I got through with a lot of help from very kind people who felt very touched and inclined to help a very um, eager and zealous boy who had no money. Um, and, you know, through the kindness of others and a lot of hard work and a lot of resource um gathering <laughs> i was able to kind of make a career out of myself which was uh which i still don't know how the fuck happened oh am i allowed to say fuck oh yeah we just saw that <laughs> okay great no i was problem. like i didn't know if like i i'm so used to like children's podcasts because of our show's <laughs> demographic that i have to i have to ask like am i allowed to say that word um but yeah that, um that's just my history is um a lot of community theater, lots of kindness from others, lots of uh, asking for scholarships and capitalizing on the fact that I was a male in musical theater. <laughs> <laughs> that right there, very high. So then after high school, you went to college in uh, Texas, Texas, right? Yep. <laughs> and it seemed like it was a pretty small program. I you There was like a dozen of you in like yeah. every picture I saw of you in college. Uh, what... Did you get an MFA? Was it just an undergrad? What? How was the program there? Sure. Uh, yeah. So I am a graduate of um, Texas State's musical theater uh, program, and it's a very, very small and very individualized program. We only accept about sixteen kids at most 
a year. Um, and when I was auditioning for colleges, I, again, utilized my, my maleness and had gotten a scholarship <laughs> to uh, this woman's college audition prep program. Her name is Mary Anna Austin Denard. She gave me a scholarship to her program, really helped me kind of figure out what material I was going to do, what monologues, what songs, how to film them, what to do, what to expect, um, which was really helpful for me because up until that point, I'd only done educational theater through the Norris and through Torrance High School. Um, and so she really was my introduction to the world of collegiate musical theater, uh, which is a very specific and very niche type of thing. There's um, There's a lot that you can't really find online because it's a lot of like silent rules almost, or like uh, industry norms, I guess you could say, right. Of just like, mm -hmm. these are the things you do and these are the things you don't. And she was mm -hmm. really the, um, the, the person who taught me those things when I was so just ignorant of everything, because I just, you know, I was just like gung ho and ready to sing my 32 bar cut that I found on YouTube. Um <laughs> Yeah, and so I went to I went to the program. There were fourteen people in my class, and then after fourteen, um, four of them actually dropped out. So we only graduated with ten. Um, so my class, class of twenty eighteen, had ten people in it. It was an undergraduate program, and it was just it was really the best thing that's ever happened to my life. Just the way that it's helped my artistry, my humanity, my point of view in the world, the way that I see not only our industry, but where my stance is on what I want to do in my career, um, socially and both, um, both as an activist and as an actor, you know, it's just, um, the program itself highlighted that in order to make interesting art, you have to be an interesting person and really highlighted the mental health aspect of our industry, which I think is something that I definitely have reaped very, very many benefits from um, just by staying on top of my mental health. Um, so yeah, I, I can't praise the program enough. It was incredible and it really, it gave me all of the tools that I needed in order to work professionally, which luckily I was well equipped because I had graduated, I think six months before my first professional contract and then was working steadily up until COVID had happened. So you know, it was um, it worked out well in my favor, and um, it didn't leave me too much in debt, which was also a great, great. <laughs> that um, is Cindy still working on hers, I think. No, uh, no, no. I, I took it, care of mine. I'm good. Yes, okay, good. I, I mean, I'm still currently working on mine. Like, I left with some debt, but in in terms of like how much I could have left at other programs that accepted me, I I definitely made the correct financial choice. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's always a big one. Uh, so you talked about um like your thoughts on activism and in the world, what can you go into that more? Cause I know currently with the political atmosphere that all of us are living in, a lot more of us are getting active in that stuff, but what, where's your stand on that? And how do you see those relating to performing arts and theater? Sure. Um, for me, my, my stance has always been like my career trajectory as a, or my career um, mission statement, I should say is really for, for, me to use my career and my achievements as a symbol of what is possible specifically for Asian American actors or immigrant Asian American actors or queer Asian American actors. Like I, I grew up from nothing. Essentially my family and I are immigrants. We moved to America in 2002. Um, and really 
every step of the way was slowly, slowly accumulating the um, the success that our family has collectively ha- or collectively has now. Um, we start, you know, we started off in a one bedroom studio apartment in Gardena, California, with absolutely no resources and no extra money. And slowly through a lot of hard work and obviously through the kindness of others, we were able to not only provide an education for me and my sister, but also manage to slowly upgrade facets of our life and in our family life, right? So I like to use my story as a way of of illuminating that there is a way for this to happen to someone who is not from money, who does not, who was not born with a lot of privileges, who was not afforded a lot of things when he was younger in life. And for me, the activism in, in specifically with our show is that in our show, we had half of the cast be people of color. And then the other half um, also be part of the LGBTQIA plus community. So we had a lot of representation, not only within our cast, but in our entire production. Almost everyone in our cast and crew were very heavily um, in the queer community or were people of color. And so we as a collective were very much all about the representation that the show brought Um, in terms of the the problems with race within our industry, I always want to be at the forefront of that. Um, I, When I was meeting with my agents after college, one of the first things that I told them was, how do you treat your clients of color? Because I have heavily, heavily advocated for the fact that I'm not an Asian actor. I'm an actor who happens to be Asian and I will not be deduced to my race, to the way that my eyes look and to the stereotypes that the industry has put upon people who look like me. Right. I my form of activism is to not adhere to those things and to willingly choose the way that I want to be represented so that I, in turn, could help some young little queer boy who has no idea what the hell he's doing gain some sort of self-identity when he sees me on stage or sees me on film or what have you. Um, So when it comes to just the way that the industry is going right now, I believe that we're really on the right path because everyone is not only like, I believe in color consciousness, not color blind, um, in that every person's heritage and cultural background and socioeconomic status comes with its own story and comes with its own set of baggage and comes with its own um, story to tell. And that in the way, in the same way, if we're going to choose to tell those stories, the people representing those stories on the stages should be of that background um, mm-hmm. in that if we're going to be telling a queer Latino story in New York, we shouldn't be having white people who look like Latinos. We should be having Latinos who are Latino and identify mm-hmm. as such. If we're going to tell a trans story online or I guess on Zoom now, but on Broadway, <laughs> theoretically, if we're going to have a queer trans story, I want a queer trans actor to play that role. Um, And so my whole stance on the thing is just like there has been the veil has been lifted on all of the ways that white supremacy has been rooted in our industry. Um, If we go back to the history of musical theater, it's always been for the enjoyment and for the uh, betterment and for the benefit of the white man. It always has been and it, it up until this point has always been. And so I'm very much looking forward to the fight that's going to happen and the constant um, push for change that's going to happen specifically too with just the way that we cast and the stories we choose to tell and the people that we choose to tell those stories 
Um, I want to be at the forefront of that. And I think that collectively we're all so we're all just waking up to what's been plaguing our industry and, and how insidious it's been um, almost to the point where we never even questioned it. Like when I was auditioning for colleges, I remember just being like, um, people would look at me and they'd be like, oh, you'd be perfect and in the Heights. And it's like, okay, why? And they're like, well, you know, like you, you look a little Latino and you know, you're kind of like, you're just kind of like ethnically ambiguous. And in my head, it's like, okay, so do I just, okay, but you didn't even ask me like where I'm from, what my background is. And you just grouped me and you made my, because I was not white, you made me synonymous with every other person of color. It's just, it's a whole it's a whole like analysis of just the way that industry is and what we've normalized. And so I'm very much at the forefront of trying to change that and, and reintroduce a new set of standards and a new set of thinking so that we're not making the same mistakes and perpetuating the same cycles of stereotyping and, and just whitewashing stories of color, um, which happens a lot. With lightning thief, was it a choice in the production or with the directors and the music directors and casting agents, was it a choice to make it as diverse as it was, or did it just happen to end up that way? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I think it did happen just organically. I know for a fact, Stephen Brackett, the director of Lightning Thief, he's he's the most incredible like director I've had the pleasure of working up till this day. I love his working style. And, and he very much, to my, in my understanding, will always hire the actor that fits his vision in essence, right? Not his vision of like how they look, but how the character's essence is. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I believe that it just happened is that like he wasn't hung up on how these characters were going to look necessarily. But if the person auditioning had the essence of the character that he was casting, I think that that's who he went with for the job because and I don't mean to brag about it because I feel like I'm like stroking our show's own tail, you know. No, but, but yeah. <laughs> but everyone in our cast was perfectly cast. Like everyone, especially like um, including our understudies. Our understudies were also very well cast. In in that, like, as a fan of the novels, I have read the books since I was in sixth grade, so I was familiar with every single one of these characters and had been acquainted with them for the past decade up until this production. So in my head, everyone was just so perfectly cast. And it's exactly how I would have envisioned the camp to be based on the novel. You know, it was just people were who they were and their colors, um, the colors of their skin didn't have anything to do with their being. It just, again, it was, they were actors who happened to be their race and happened to be their ethnicities as opposed to like we're going to make a conscious decision of this person has to be black or this person Mm -hmm. has to be non-white it just so happened to be that the best person for the role got the part and it also just happened to be that half of us ended up being people of color and the other half were also just non or were white or queer or something you know also the for people who don't know the story of the lightning thief is based on kind of a modern day take on greek mythology right 
Right. And the Greek yep. gods were running around having Sleeping kids around with, with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's everything. <laughs> yeah, that was their whole gig is just like they would fall in love with these mortals who shared qualities that they were gods of. And then would obviously just like canoodle wherever the fuck they wanted. Um, <laughs> and so it, it made a lot of sense for us to be different races and different ethnicities because, you know, like the story took place in New York and I... I I find I would find it very hard to believe that uh, a group of kids in New York City would ever just be like all white in in terms of just like a camp of half bloods of half god half mortals. Um so I think it was very fitting and also it just the book is all about finding strength in your imperfections, right? Like uh, our whole thesis as a, a company was the things that make you different are the things that make you strong. And I believe that there is all, there's a lot of baggage that comes tied with our races and our ethnicities. And it's partly just because of the way that we were taught growing up. When you're a person of color, it's just there are certain things that you associate with your race that are quote unquote bad because of the way that just like white supremacy and white idealism has plagued your childhood. And so combining our show's mission statement of finding strength in your imperfections and also combining that with the fact that the people having these realizations are people of color, it immediately makes the story a story of someone who is a person of color and therefore is immediately a lot more relatable to the kids that we were really trying to reach to the to the outcasts to the weirdos to the to the ones that never felt like they belonged to the people who always felt that they were other than or less than so i think that it just really added to the impact that our show had because not only were these universal um thematic instances um delving deeper it also became a, a story of growing up a different color in america um, and if you really wanted to make it like a story about race, it was also just like, it was just about conquering the things that you've been uh, told, like the things that are bad and you've been told your entire life and breaking that for yourself. So it's just, I don't know if that made sense in my head. That was like perfectly threaded. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think like, it's really going off on this metaphor. I'm living. Um, but, you know, it is. <laughs> But it, at its core, that's what it is, is that like by having people of color tell the story, it immediately became a story that became a lot more accessible to a lot of different kids. And to me, that was my biggest passion, because, again, because I am a child of educational theater, whenever we had a field trip show, those were my favorites. I did every single talk back with every single school that I could, that I was able to. I was always the first to volunteer to talk back with anyone in high school and middle school, because Again, I have such a passion for letting these kids know of what is possible if you take if you don't take no for an answer. And if you believe so hard in yourself that other people have no choice but to believe in you as well. And I think that that's, you know, that kind of empowerment is what I really would have loved to see anyone have when I was growing up. And so for me to be able to have that chance and have that impact on other people, like that was what I strive to do when I had the platform to do that. That is so cool. Like I never... I never do talk backs because nobody ever cares what the backstage people are doing. <laughs> That's why you do talk backs. That's why I started doing talk backs. That's why like I insisted on this last production, you know, we're making a documentary that backstage people are in the documentary because it's the same thing. There's all these people that are like, Oh, I could never make a living doing backstage theater. It's just for performers. And it's like, yeah, but the performers 
our half of it and we're the other half and we all need to work on it together. So right. no, I, I feel exactly the same way. It's also just like, I, I have the most utmost respect for like the backstage crew, specifically like our technicians and our stage managers, because I am the girl who will find a way to like fuck up something. Like <laughs> I, I will ab- accident. I will absolutely hit my head on something. I will absolutely run into something. If there is not a stage manager or a backstage hand to tell me like, Hey, there's a hole on the floor. I will go into it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I am absolutely her. And so it's, um, we actually like my, my favorite is whenever we do have a talk back, like our stage managers are always there. And, um, our dressers every once in a while also was able to kind of like reveal their part of the show. And we even had an Instagram just for the stage hands, uh, yes, for, the that's wardrobe, awesome. for the wardrobe team and the oh, stage. Have to look that up. Yeah. It was like, um, shoot. I don't even remember what it was, but it was. It used to be the Be More Chill stage hand. We had the same back, uh, the wardrobe team from Be More Chill moved into our uh, production. So basically, we had the same wardrobe team as Be More Chill, and they had an Instagram for their team, and they revamped it so that it was lightning thiefy. And it became like a whole thing of like people just like wanting to know like, how is it dressing Sarah Beth? Or like, how Mm -hmm. did Pharrell get into his goat legs? Or... How does he, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I think that my favorite comment whenever we have these talkbacks is just like kids realizing like how cool it is to not be at the forefront. Because every once in a while, they'll like, I will talk about how many people it takes for me to make a change because one of my changes is under 45 seconds. Um, and I have Ooh. to go from boat legs to Mr. D, which is um, a pair of pants, a button up shirt, suspenders, new shoes, a hat. Like it's a whole production. And it takes at least two people to hold a flashlight and have mm-hmm. me like strip off my pants so that I can put on the new pants. And it's really cool for people to realize like, oh, I can love this world and I do have a place in it, even if I don't want to perform. Mm-hmm. You know? That's which what is, I think is important. Yeah, which is another thing that I was going to ask you is like Tech Week and all that. I know it's a little different than what we were, but for... Since we mostly talked to backstage people, Tech Week's a big thing because it's when the technical people finally get to like see the lighting design and work on the cues and all that. And uh, I always feel like the actors just sit around a lot and look bored. And we're like, can you sing that song again? Okay, stop. Can you sing that song? Okay, stop. Can you? And then over and over and over. How is Tech Week for you? Like, how do you feel about Tech Week? Um, Tech Week is not for me. That's that's my outlook on it. Like as an actor, Tech Week is not for us. Tech Week is y'all's time. We had a rehearsal time in however long we had in our studio. Like we get this lengthy, lengthy process of like eight hour days and all that stuff. And the tech people have literally like four days at most, maybe if you're lucky to figure their shit out. Like that's why that's why we look bored because honestly, like it's our time to check out knowing that like this time isn't for us. And so we just have to do our jobs as efficiently as fast as possible so that you guys have as much time as you need to make our show look good. Like, my God, that sounds so amazing. Can you just tell everybody that? Oh, it makes me so happy. (laughs) You know, like that was, and that's just the way that I was taught. And you know, that's, it's very like, as an actor, it's, it's very easy to not feel that way 
when you're in the moment, right? Like, uh, I was going to say, in the moment, you're like, oh. Right, like, like in the moment, yeah. you like in this right now in the podcast, obviously I'm going to have a Miss America pageant because that is how I feel. However, like I'm also hungry. I haven't had my coffee. I haven't had any sleep. Like yeah. <laughs> uh, that is the mantra that is going through my head of like, this isn't for me. This isn't my time. Like if like, I know that you're tired, but they're tired too. And they're having to do 7 million things in a much shorter time span with a lot more crunch time. And oftentimes the creatives are asking for things that you can't even do anymore or that it's too late to try and do. And then you have to figure out a different situation. Like y'all are tackling 18 fires. (laughs) I can stand on six and calm the fuck down. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of where my thought process is. Obviously I'm going to have a fit if someone rubs me the wrong way and I'll try to keep that under control, but that's a me problem. And that's a, that's like one of those things where I I just have to be cognizant of like, you need to calm down. This is not your time. You're here to support and uplift the other people so that you look fucking good. Like, would you rather be sitting right now and have your show look like shit? No, like I stand <laughs> on sticks, sing your song and calm the fuck down. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I don't think yeah. that there's enough respect it, and it, and it and it happens a lot to people who just never ever got to have conversations with backhands, backhands, St- stage backhands, stage hands, stage hands. Like <laughs> you can always tell who's not friends with the stage managers, who's not friends with the stage hands, who's not friends with wardrobe, who's not mm-hmm. friends with any of the crew because they they feel like their time is being wasted. And I'm like, no, bitch. No, (laughs) you want to look like shit. Like truly, like the bottom line is, is if you don't cooperate, you will look like garbage. And Mm -hmm. so I need you to put your ego at check and like realize that tech week is literally that it's tech week. Like we are going to have our our time in the spotlight, literally. And you just (laughs) do what you need to do for this week so that the tech hands can do what they need to do. Um, Obviously, easier said than done. And a lot of times, like, I can say all this good shit and I'll probably still be a raging nightmare at some point or another. <laughs> but but the thing is, is, like, I'm aware. Like, I will, like, people know when I'm mad because I just, I'm quiet. Because, you know, I'm a loud bitch. And so Tech Week is usually when I'm, like, it's quiet Jarrell time. Like, I will do what you need me to do and I will stand there. But I if I can't say anything because the wrong thing will come out. So I'll just be silent. I'm going to stand on six. I'll sing my song. After I sing my song, I will be going to my dressing room. (laughs) Good. We know where to find you. You're in your dressing room where you you right Or the green room, like eating a good old snack. Um, (laughs) Not wandering around. Right. It's also just like, it depends on what part as an actor, like in the cast, like what you're doing too, because Tech Week, like I know in college or even when I was like, even on Broadway or whatever, like Tech Week is the time to like recover, you know? And as a principal, um, if you're being used a lot, you're, you're, the scenes in which you're not on stage are like you're, ah, oh, today's just like scenes two to four and I don't come in till scene five. And so I have two hours to just like relax and catch up on work or read or, or list, uh, do homework when I was in school. But when it's like an ensemble show and you're dancing all the time, that's when it's, I'm, that's when I'm like, oh my God, I hate this. We're going to run the number one more time and <laughs> we're going to have to do it again. And this, this is a really hard number. I'm tired. My body hurts. Um, <laughs> Stage so manager I, has yeah. to call those lighting cues appropriately. <laughs> oh my God. When we, when we were doing a chorus line at Texas State, 
Um, it's become an inside joke with my friend who was our stage, the, the, the PSM at the time. He, we had to go back from any Broadway shows. The line is like any Broadway shows. And he goes, you know, through the line and they're like, no, no, I did a cruise ship once. We went through that scene, the cut scene at least two dozen times because something was not working with the lights and all that stuff. And that was the scene where I get cut as a cut dancer. Like I was just like, I had to constantly like be on stage and then walk off and then wait at the wings because they were going to be like any Broadway shows. So I'd have to go back on stage and then walk off. And I was already bitter because I thought I was just unhappy being a cut dancer. I wanted another role that I didn't get. Um, And so I was mad. That was the worst tech week. And that was (laughs) my least favorite moment of college was just that specific rehearsal. Um, But yeah, no, tech week is awful for everyone. But I try to keep it at least like I try to keep the perspective and understand and realize that like tech week is not my time. And ultimately I just have to be that my role in tech week is to just do what they tell me to do as quickly and as quietly as possible, which is hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard for performers. Right. (laughs) uh, Did you travel with most of your crew on lightning thief or was it mostly house crew? Um, so our wardrobe was mostly house crew. We had uh, on tour, we had, um, a wardrobe supervisor that toured with us. We had a head carpenter that toured with us. And then we had another, like we had a fly deck person that toured with us and we were all really close. Like the sound tech, uh, we had an A1 and A2. We had two stage managers on tour. Our crew was pretty great. And our crew was also super close. Like I yeah that's what I was wondering if you got to know them all really well very well everyone on lightning thief was a dream truly um and I was very blessed because you know that's not how it always works and Mm -hmm. personalities are a lot and oftentimes they clash but everyone and I and I mean this with the utmost sincerity everyone in our cast and company was just a weirdo their like own brand of weirdo (laughs) and so everyone found their niche you know, it was a bunch of really lovable weirdos who who just like shared this job and f- had very unique hobbies. So every city was like you had the people who wanted to go out for beers. You had the people who wanted to go shopping. Me mm-hmm. who had the people who, you know, who wanted to explore like hiking and do naturey stuff, depending on where we were. Like the, and there was always a group that wanted to do X activities at any city. So each city would have a different kind of like dynamic because sometimes it'd be like oh I want to tag along here but you're not always part of that group so you got to know everyone really really well um and it made it so special because obviously like everyone loves alcohol so like our bar was just like after the show was just cast and crew like drinking together Mm -hmm. um and that's always so fun right and like our bus like crew was wild because every time we were in a bus they they love to drink like they were drinkers and so we would always have like a bar in in the back of the bus it would have like white claws and we would have um we would just have like bottles of wine every liquor um in the states that it was legal for legal purposes we had like a bunch of weed products in the back and we would just like if we had a long bus ride everyone would just have their vices and would just be chilling in the back hanging out listening to music it was the most like it did it never felt like a job except when it was time to perform. 
you which know was I mean? technically the job <laughs> which is absolutely the job but like you know what i mean like we no one ever actually want like hated going to the theater it was just the fact that like we would all rather spend our time hanging out with each other we loved being at the theater with each other and that like you know nobody minded anyone's company everyone's company was very open everyone was welcoming and you know that's kind of like that is where my great appreciation for like stage managers and uh, stagehand crews come from because it was like, they really did take me under their wing. I was the baby and I was the youngest in everyone in the entire company. I, uh, and so everyone really kind of looked after me like their little brother. And so it was really nice for me. And I kind of developed that attachment towards them because they did take such good care of me including giving me talks when I was out of line and was not acting like a professional. So, you know, they were very, they, they led with love. They were great people. They loved to drink. It was the best. I loved it. <laughs> Sounds perfect. I miss that. I, mean, I don't go out for drinks because I'm not, usually it's like, oh yeah, the actors are going out for drinks and the crew's like, yeah, striking a show. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. I know. That, you know what? <laughs> That's the worst part too, is that like, I would be texting like our stage, especially on like loadout days. I'd be like, Hey, we're playing smash at Jeff's like at Jeff's room. Who's our drummer. Um, and we were going to play our switch and our a two would be like, can't bro loadout. And I was like, what do you mean? It's one P one AM. Aren't y'all done? She goes, no, we just got the stage down. And I was like, <gasps> and our bus, call, our bus call was like at 8 AM the next morning. And so like stagehand was like getting, I don't know, like, four or five hours no, like no sleep like, no <laughs> sleep. just like fucking awful just not even equity minimum just like but it does time. make you see and like appreciate it's not the right word because then there's times you know as a crew where you see the actors getting up and doing things early or you know rehearsing sure. through different times yeah. so it just i think it just makes people more aware of what everybody's doing and more appreciative of what everybody's doing yeah, and it, I think too, it just it it eliminates this idea of us versus them, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, that's a big one. Like it's such a, I think the common misconception, especially when you're an actor, is that like it's all about you, and it's like no, how do you think you, like you can't you can't do anything without anyone back there? Who the fuck's gonna light you? Where's your music gonna come from? Where your sound gonna come? Like you want you want all the echo? Like you, no one's gonna fix your levels. <laughs> you ain't, you know what I mean? Like, like, I wish that, like, and I, and I, and I'm very guilty of it too because I am very, you know, I, I have tendencies of conceitedness and I have tendencies of being self-centered. But I do one of the things that I fight very, very hard to keep myself in check with is like, how am I treating the people who make me look good, and not just in a manipulative sense of like, I have to be good to you because you, you have the power to make me look bad, but in an appreciative sense of like, this is a collaboration. This isn't a yes. new problem. Everything about this production is a collaboration from the people who play the music to the person who raises the curtain to the one who gives me my light cue. And like the stage managers are yelling go 700 times a night. Like <laughs> it's a full, it's a full production. It's a full collaboration without every single part of the puzzle. Then the puzzle is not complete. And so I think that there's this common misconception that the actors are in this like higher place of this hierarchy when in reality like without y'all like we look like absolute shit like sometimes you guys are the only saving grace a show has because i've seen shows where the production value is at a 10 and the actors are marking the shit out of it and are like living at a seven 
and it looks great because the lights are giving me everything that I could possibly want. You know? Like, I think people just, like, lose sight of how important the backstage crew is and how they are, they have the most, like, they and the understudies have the most thankless jobs. And so... Oh, the understudies, absolutely. Oh. Right, especially the understudies and the swings. Like, those are the most, like, necessary evils in our industry. Um or in, in especially in a company because they get none of the things. And so it's just, I'm trying to be a little bit more cognizant of that and, and to outwardly express my appreciation just so that like y'all know y'all are loved too. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like it, it is, our egos as actors are so strong sometimes. Um, and it really helps, at least for me, to befriend, like now that I've befriended most of the people that are crew members that I've worked with, it humanizes them. It's no longer like they're just working on our show. It's like they are my friend who's integral, like who is an integral and crucial part of this production and are very much worthy of celebration and praise every single bit as much as every single person who is like actively playing a role in the show. Um, so yeah, it's just like the crew of Lightning Thief, they're like the, the most kick-ass people. I just, they're just such good people in their own ways, in their own niches. Like I love every single one of them. And it, it is a show of a lifetime. Cause I just know that I'm not going to get a crew like that in a very long time, probably, you know, um, I don't think I'm going to have a company that even compares to them anytime soon. So it is what it is, but they're good people. They're such good people. But I don't know how it works going between uh, touring and Broadway, because like you said, the entire cast was brought over, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. What about the crew? Did did you have the same director, designers, leads? Did a yeah, lot of the crew yeah, get yeah. to come with you? So we, um, our wardrobe supervisor who went on tour did not keep with us because she, her whole thing is like, she goes on tours as a wardrobe supervisor. Like that's her life. She loves it. Um, and so she ended up leaving our company to do another tour with another show. Um, we kept one of our audio members. So we kept our A1 and then our A2 was no longer a part of the Broadway company. Um, so our wardrobe supervisor changed. Our A2 was, I guess, furloughed in a sense. Um, and then we gained... And also, I think uh, the union played a part into into it too because it was like local one i believe mm -hmm. the term. yeah they were local one members and so they could only give their like uh a low like they only gave our a1 the local one status because i think she wasn't local one because it's highly specialized in my in, in for my understanding um and so yeah there were like legalities and obviously union stuff that they had to work under but we kept most of our everyone except for the wardrobe supervisor in our A2. Because the band was all the same. Cast was all the same. Directors all the same. Stage managers are the same. We actually gained one because it was Broadway. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Um, yeah. I think that was... Um, oh, and then we lost our props guy, which I... Um, I, I missed because I loved our props guy on tour. He was like family. He was really sweet. Um, Ed, good old Ed. Um, but yeah, so we lost uh, the heads of our, I guess, our wardrobe and props. But That's kept not our terrible, 
No, I think that you could bring so many people because it probably made loading like just moving into Broadway so much easier because everyone knew the show, knew each other, knew what was going on. Sure. I mean, you would think, but the sound system, they had difficulties because it was just like a different house, different acoustics and a, mm-hmm. a different sound system, bringing all of that in. Um, I knew that there was like talk of just like they wanted to make it warmer and they wanted like they had a new system that they were replacing and yada, yada, yada. And I don't know the specificities of what they were doing. I just know that sound basically <laughs> what they did in six weeks for tour, they did in seven, no, four days for Broadway. Wow. So they so sound worked tirelessly. And when we were going into, I mean, mind you, we were also like in a very like un believable time crunch like they gave us no time the cast had four rehearsals before our first preview um and so we were basically keeping a lot of the the things from tour the same um they were trying to do it for as little as as cheap as possible right um, and they were trying to just do it as quickly as possible because again we were just we were essentially a placeholder for the theater like we were just a limited engagement run we were a, a holiday show essentially um and so we were just, they were trying to save as much coin as they can. Mm-hmm. Or at least in my, um, in my interpretation, it seemed that way. Um, so that's, uh, that was the transition from tour to Broadway. But, you know, we, like, I was over here being like, oh, I'm sorry. I know you guys are frustrated, but I'm just happy to be here. Thank <laughs> you for having me. You want me to stand on, si- I'll stand on six. Um, <laughs> always fucking six. It's always um, six, yeah. <laughs> it's always six. And like and our lighting designer loved it when people were on evens. Like he just he had an affinity for lighting people on evens. So I always made sure to adjust accordingly. And be like <laughs> I, was, if I was like inching onto seven, I'll be like, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'll go back to six. <laughs> I've never it heard was, of a lighting designer loving a specific dance number. It like, was just, it just happened. It just happened to, for this show specifically. A lot of my ta- time stamps were always on evens. So now it felt weird if I was going to stand on a seven when the rest of my cues were like six, eight, ten center. You know, like I don't want to be on seven. That doesn't fit. Like, <laughs> that doesn't feel right. I just don't feel right. The seven. Right. And I could absolutely still be on seven, but I'll tell everyone I'm on six. Because <laughs> like, the rest of us know. Exactly. Nobody cares. But in my head, it gives me some satisfaction of like, I'm on six every night. I have a very, um, (laughs) I'm a consistent show person. That's kind of like, it's, it's a really, it's kind of like, I, I was in the ensemble a lot in college. And when you're in the ensemble, you, your spatial awareness has to be so acute because if you miss your mark, formations off, the stage pictures Mm -hmm. off, everything's off lighting's off costuming like you put a lot of people's hard work at jeopardy and like not giving them the vision that they want if you don't know where mm-hmm. the fuck you are on stage um and so i am like religious about where i am and i i will always try to nail my numbers but that being said my my co my co-worker i guess my co my castmate co-star whatever the fuck you want to name him chris <laughs> is one of the most um he is so incredibly spontaneous and that's what makes him so magical but homeboy cannot hit a number like at all <laughs> like, he wrote, like when they did it off broadway he couldn't even hit like he was 
our lighting designer was just like, I don't care what you do. I'll find a way to light you, but you have to hit this at this spot because that's not a spotlight. I can't follow you. Mm-hmm. You have to hit mm-hmm. this. And he hit it maybe like every three out of four times. Like he would always miss one at some point. Like he just, there was just no, like, he's great. I love him, but he is, uh, he's the exact opposite of me, which bugs me because I'm just like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not on zero. You're on one and you're ruining the stage picture. <laughs> there was a, a show that I did and uh, the, it was the little mermaid and the, Guy playing Eric, I think it was, is that the prince's name? Just, yeah. just, just couldn't stand in his spotlight. Ever. It, yeah. he, he, his head was cut off through almost every one of his solos. And it's like, guys, we don't have spots. They're just focus lights. Like, step forward three inches or something. Right. I don't like, know. People like, don't realize that, like, it's not for tech. Like, do you want to be seen? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Like you're doing all of this like great, great work and no one's seeing it because you don't want to stand on six. <laughs> yeah, and every night it'd be like, come on, just move forward. We just talked about this yesterday. <laughs> and then so we you appreciate just hear like it. Yeah, you just hear the stage management go, hold please. Hey honey, can you go on six, please? Can because we need to we need to see how the light looks on your face. And you're like, oh, damn it. Exactly. Oh my god. Oh tech week. Honestly, I will never take tech week for granted again because I would kill to be in a tech week right now. Like I yes. you know what I mean? Like even the stupid shit of just like standing on your number until the and them just like running the like you just hear the of all the colors <laughs> of all the colored lights just like shimmering. And they're like, well, at least I know they're doing something up there. Yeah, and it's just like blue, and then it'll be like purple, and I'll be like, all right, can we take it back from any Broadway shows? <laughs> walking down, like, yeah, stands on six. It all wraps back around its yeah. I love that you talked earlier about a collaborative process, because I've always known and felt that it was a collaborative process, but it's not until you work with people who are not in the theatrical world. Uh, how do I explain this I do so many weird shows that I'm often working with people who like oh let's put on a show together but have no idea how to put on a show right and it's just such a different concept for them you know like what collaboration means Mm -hmm. and what it doesn't mean and I just put on or the show that I just did Miranda our VR developer is a VR developer like he sits in a a room by himself all day long working on VR you know and so it was such a different experience for him to be like working in this collaborative process. And it was so cute to see him get so excited sometimes about like talking with the director and the designers and like seeing how it worked with the singers and how his work, you know, was this whole thing. And he kept talking about it so much about how collaborative it was. And for us, we just kind of take it for granted because that's just how our life is, you know? And then to meet these other people, they're like, oh, this is so cool. And you're like, no, it's just rehearsal. But cool, (laughs) I like it. We have like five more days of this. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think, and my whole thing is just like, I, I am a, I am a firm, firm believer in that whatever you can bring to the table, someone else in this process can also utilize to bring what they can bring to the table, right? Like Mm, use each other's strengths to mask each other's weaknesses, but to also like bolster each other's work. Right. And, um, for me, a lot of that just came from, I, I mean, it is 
again, that's the work ethic that like we that Caitlin, who's the head of the program at Texas State, really, really is adamant upon, right? Like the work ethic and the perspective of who you are as an actor and what part you play in this puzzle and appreciating the fact that you are a mere piece of the cog and not the entire kitten caboodle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the the my appreciation for collaboration comes from just the fact that I've, I've been able to to work on a lot of play readings, a lot of uh, stage readings, a lot of uh, musical theater uh, festivals that a lot of regional theater uh, artistic directors go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sense of like collaboration with the playwright and the music director and the composer and the book writer mixed with sometimes the person who is at the helm of the thing, um, if it's like a personal biography or something like that, like the dramaturg, there's just so many layers of the puzzle and so many pieces to the to the machine that you really gain an appreciation for being a part of something bigger than yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's so much power in the fact that you don't have to carry this load by yourself yeah. of like, you just need to focus on what you can bring to the table. And sometimes if that is just to sit there and listen, you're still just a, an important part as the person who is currently doing most of the heavy lifting, but just know that somewhere along the way, they're gonna need your expertise as well. And that's that kind of ebb and flow of power is really where that magic kind of happens of, of, of collaboration, of teamwork. And as someone who's only really good at the performance side of things and the musical side of things, when stagehands, like I worked on a show called Fall Springs last year and we had a moving mound and it, it was an automatron, it was an upside down canoe and all of the interns were just like working so, so tirelessly on making the shit work. Like you gain an appreciation at the fact that they have been working on this one movement for four yes. hours and your yeah. ass can't even stand on six. You know what I mean? Like, again, it's, like, it's that, it's that um, cognizance of just like, yes, you work hard, but so do they. And it's beautiful to see what we can create when we don't try to compete with each other and try to like, say who's working harder it's like no nobody gives a shit just fucking do your job and they'll do theirs and it'll be this beautiful melting point in which like and the sooner you realize that it is a puzzle and that it is just a machine like the more fun you can have like it's just like when you're a kid and everyone's like playing pretend and it's like oh but i have superpowers too it's like okay okay yes 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 and then also (laughs) this can also happen it's like yeah but also remember i have shoes on and, <laughs> You're and like, um, I don't know how that makes like, sense. I don't know yes. how that makes sense, but you know what? Like, let's try it. Sure. And the next thing you know, you have this full fledged idea that you could have never ever drawn up by yourself. And because you were able to collaborate and and really just pull the best out of each other, it's really what makes theater so magical. Like, it's such it's everyone's creative expression of their artistry. like connected through this piece that you see live right in front of you you know it's never the same two nights in a row ever because there's always something wrong with the animation there just is it can be the most well-oiled machine and it's always gonna be like yeah the mound's fucked up again like what do you mean you 
two hours ago. I was like, yeah, one of the bolts fucking uh-huh. up. Yep, because you there's... had two days to fix it, and then you had 24 hours to make it in the first place. Of course, it's not perfect. <laughs> that's so oh, true, man. though. It's so bad. <laughs> it's awful, but it's like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, that's it. Like, that's that's, that's my theater. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. And that's what makes it so great. Because, I mean, how awesome is it to have a, a group of people who are professionally, who are professionals at putting out fires every night, right? Like, <laughs> that's such like, a good way of putting it. Like stage managers put out at least a dozen fires before we even hit half hour. Like stage, yeah. hands are, you know what I mean? Stagehands are fixing like seventeen million things wrong because the actors accidentally hit it with the sword last night. Like how many thoughts are broken every night and they have to be fixed by the matinee tomorrow? Like it's just, like, it's just such chaotic, chaotic energy in a the theater. Uh-huh. And I think that's why we all thrive off of it because outside of the theater, we're all chaotic people. And so yeah. we feel, of course we feel at home in a theater. Everything is chaos. Yeah. I mean, the adrenaline, adrenaline of being like, oh my God, the house opened and you lost what? You lost the main prop? Why were you touching props before the show <laughs> opened? You're running or, around or trying to find like, the prop. My God, our our last or our second preview of the tour, my goat legs broke during the finale, and so I'm <laughs> I have this like scoot around. I had to go from, <laughs> I had to go from stage right down and then end up on twelve right. So I had this like loop de loop little moment, and my my leg broke sometime during the first part of the finale, and so it's just limping behind me, dragging lifelessly <laughs> behind me. And I couldn't do anything about it. And I was just like, you know what? The the people who saw the show will forever be the only people who ever saw this show. That show, show yeah. yeah. And that's gorgeous. Like, I love that. And I think that's what I miss about live theater. Because it's just like, like, it's like, am I supposed to cry? Am I supposed to laugh at this? Am I supposed to be angry? Like, I don't know how I feel. Like, I love it. <laughs> And the crew will go fix it once I'm done with this. And I'll right. Be back it's like, what tomorrow. the fuck did you do, Jerome? I was like, I don't know. I was like tilting. And they're like, I, we're, what? <laughs> tilting? Like, in a, well, yeah, because I just, Grover's the best um, character because he's really not integral to the forwarding of the plot. And so he's basically just like a free for, he's comedic relief. So I really mm. had free reign to do whatever i want in terms of like living in the world and so i i made choices when i would get bored and i would just kind of like do shit and of course like the legs didn't always um want to do that stuff with you right exactly (laughs) and so they gave me a lot more elastic so that i could do it and then after that (laughs) they were just like you're a little too flexible we didn't expect your your legs to be that open and i was like yeah sorry just like elastic please (laughs) thank you (laughs) that's excellent i wanted to see if we can find a video of that (laughs) oh my gosh i'm sure that i mean bootlegs are everywhere i'm actually like i was like really sad on broadway when um people would film because i would just get so distracted and it would put me in my head like but now that I'm no longer there, if anyone has a bootleg, I would love to see it. Like, it would, be, it would be incredible. I'm sure there's one out there somewhere. My friend sent me one and I saw my number, but I want to see like the full. I would love to see the full bootleg if anyone has it, if anyone listening has it. Okay, we'll, we'll see if we can find it. <laughs> okay, so we're about at an hour. I know it always uh, flies by super fast. For some reason, I always feel like the first five minutes... 
I'm like, oh, it's only been five minutes. We got so much time. And then I looked out and I'm like, it's been 45 minutes. What the hell? I know. That's nuts. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's been excellent talking to you. And uh, we always end the podcast with, uh, if you have any twin stories, but I also want to know, I know it's COVID and nobody's doing anything, but are you doing anything right now? Uh, I mean, my my whole thing has just kind of shifted into uh, like film TV. Like I've been auditioning. I'm still signed with my agency and um, I just signed another year with them. So now we're kind of just focusing on what I can do, which is just film and TV. So mm-hmm. I've gotten some auditions here and there and um, have gotten called back on some of them. But for the most part, like I've actually really been enjoying just having no pressure to work right now like I saved a lot of money which because I was expecting not to work for a year for a different reason you know um not because of COVID but just like as an actor so I uh, luckily I've been blessed to have some sort of savings and and have some sort of like things in the water I guess because you know I'm in for some TV shows and a lot and some networks are familiar with my work so if something happens or pops up it's very possible that something might arise but at this moment, like I'm just brewing kombucha and cooking my like v- breakfast and <laughs> learning how to roller skate. I'm really, yeah, I'm just like, I realized that doing the show for a year straight really took a lot of my humanity and that I really just needed to get in touch with what I wanted to do as a person and what are the things that, aside from my career, like what what matters to me? What are the things you actively want to do on a daily basis? What are uh, causes that you care about and are willing to advocate for so it's just like it's been a lot of reclaiming my humanity and re redefining what it means to be a person because for so long I based my identity and my worth on my career um Mm -hmm. which because you know when you're 24 it's like that's all you really want is some sort of stability and I guess fame but uh, having a little taste of it has kind of satiated the desire and allowed me to explore the different facets of myself that I've never been able to explore before um, simply because I just didn't have time. And now it's like, we got nothing but time. So I will take the job if it comes, I'll audition and I'll do my best if I have an appointment, but I'm also just kind of okay with living and, and finding the things that spark joy and give me fulfillment today, whatever that may be, you know? So it's been a, it's been a really transformative time. I feel like I've lived like 7 million lifetimes in the past like six months. But <laughs> arguably, it's also the happiest I've ever been. It's the most complete and most f- fulfilled I've ever felt in a while. So it's just kind of like, it's a lot of like feeling conflicted over all the good that I've been experiencing and in juxtaposition to all the bad that's happening globally. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's just that. Um, but twin stories. I mean, I only really am familiar with you, Stacey. So really? I you don't know any other twins? Oh, I thought it was just in specifics to you and Oh no, no, just any twin stories. No, oh. so we've talked to people we've never even met before. Okay, brilliant. No, I, I did I don't have like a twins twin story, but I do there's a pair of triplets in my high, in my um, middle school and high school, they were nice. um, the, the Nappenbergers. They were very sweet, sweet, sweet women. Um, and growing up, they were my first like identical sibling 
pack that I ever <laughs> saw. And um, at some point or another, I just like would call them Nappenberger because I would never really know which one was which the first time. <laughs> and so I would be like, hey, Nappenberger. So that way I was never wrong. I was, <laughs> and, I, and I did know. And then like eventually I learned, obviously, like with more exposure to them, you know which one's which at, at a first glance after like a week. But they were the they were my first introduction to sibling uh, to identical twins because I had I had just never met another twin prior or or either like I've I've met twins but they were fraternal not identical so it was like you know it wasn't the like siblings right they were just like siblings and they were different genders too so it was like it wasn't they, they weren't hard to differentiate because one was um one was a guy and one was a girl. Um, but they were the first one where I was just like, I really don't know which one you are. <laughs> like the first week I was just like, I, or sometimes I would just call them girl. Like, you know, I would just use that trope of just being like, Hey girl, what's up? <laughs> yeah. See, we um, just refer to each other as twins. So, you know, right. It works. Yeah. I um, mean, you do have that story. Like Jarrell signed on and I was the only one here because Stacey had gotten up to go to the bathroom. He was like, hey, it's so great to see you again. And I was like, yeah, Stacey's in the bathroom, but hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Well, in my defense, Stacey and I haven't had any face-to-face interaction in like almost a decade, really. Yeah. I was, um, let's see, uh, probably the last time was 20, oh, not, <laughs> just kidding. It wasn't a decade. It was like, Five years, but still, it was a lot of <laughs> it right no. It's probably seven. College, so. seven. Yeah, yeah. It's so still it's been still quite some time. I just and see it, you on Facebook, and you guys are look really alike. So, in my defense, it's true. I was um, I was bamboozled. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't allowed my week trial to to recognize. Okay, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we set you up for it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> You know, I, I understood that and I appreciated it. Thank you so much for doing that for me. You're welcome. Yeah. See, it, it entertains <laughs> us. It entertains you. Everybody's excited. <laughs> right. I was so happy. Well, actually, what's funny is when you, um, when I first logged on, there was a hint in my mind that was like, she does look kind of different, but I did I just make up what I thought she looked like and this is actually <laughs> her? And so I just went along with it because I was like, yeah, great. <laughs> My dumbass didn't even look at like the name or the picture because it says Cynthia, like it says it right on my screen. I was just so focused on like not seeming like I didn't know who you were. Because, <laughs> like, say face, just say hi. Just hi, it's so good to see you. Be friendly and excited. You're on a podcast. <laughs> really, I was just, I'm happy to be invited to the party anywhere, anytime. <laughs> Uh, that's excellent. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. That was oh my cool. gosh, it's so fun. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been exciting. a lot of fun. It's yeah. so cool to talk to people and just get other people's views on things and everybody's stories are different. So it's like we always go in with like three questions and then it just goes for an hour. And right. It's amazing. Well, I think it's just, it's also like, it's a crazy thing what we do, right? Like live theater yes. is such an insane, multifaceted production that like, just the smallest um variable can drastically change your experience for the better or for the worse and so Mm -hmm. you know it just takes one thing to either make you love it or hate it and so it's always really fascinating to 
to delve into people's uh, idea or feelings about it. And then they mm-hmm. do it over and over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, because we're all like, we're all, like, I tell people all the time, I'm just like, I hate musical theater sometimes, you know, like, I really like, I'm, I love it, obviously, like, I'm, I'm in love with the art form. But it's also just like, I'm like, why is it like this? I hate it so much. Why is everyone so exhausting? Like, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted with myself. I'm exhausting. And then, <laughs> and then I hang out with muggles and, like, business makers and, and, like, people who aren't part of our world. And I'm like, why are y'all so boring? Yes! Who the fuck cares? Yep. My God, do you guys have any flavor? Why? You worked <laughs> only eight hours today? What did you accomplish yeah. in eight hours? We got like 12 more hours to go. <laughs> right. And I was like, what do you mean a long day is eight hours? Have and you ever weekends, had tech week? Have you been on sick for eight hours? Weekends are just when you do shows. Yeah. Not I'm like, you take a break. Two, two days off? What do you mean your days off on Saturday and Sunday? Why is it not on Monday? You don't have, <laughs> two, Monday. You don't have two shows on Saturday? I'm confused. Yeah. Very, very confused. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are doing with all your free time. My God. To be a human that's not in musical theater. What a sad, sad existence. I'm just kidding. No, it's lovely. I'm sure you're very happy with your life, but we're... I mean, we're a party. Like, the theater is just so... uh, It's such a magical place. And as much as... It's kind of like... It's kind of like talking shit about your high school, right? Like, we talk shit about it because we're a part of the community, but the moment that someone else who's not a part of the family says anything negative or like incriminating, I'm like, ah, uh-uh, uh, no, 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 you're not allowed. That's not, no, no, you're wrong. What, this is no. not your world. You can't say right. anything about my world. Exactly. It's like you can't call us. You can't call us loud. We're not loud. Meanwhile, like they're yelling across the stage, just like singing whatever, whatever they yep. want to sing. We're like we're song. not extra. I don't know what you're we're totally so normal. True. Yeah. Yep, we we blend right in. <laughs> I know. I miss it. I really do miss it. I think it's uh I mean, I just think about how it's gonna be great once everything is kind of back, you know, or at least hoping. Like I would I think that the first show that I see comfortably after like this hiatus is really gonna make me just like ball. It'll be like thirteen the musical and I'll be like sobbing in my chair. Um, just something completely happy and irreverent and and just joyous and i think that when we come back it'll be it'll be an absolute incredible renaissance of just like what stories people are going to choose to tell and the ways that they they're going to choose to tell those stories i'm really excited for because you know with a lot of trauma and a lot of um emotions come great stories to tell and with that come great art and so I, a part of me is very excited for the renaissance that we're going to experience once things are allowed and are uh, safe to do so again. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope easy. that, yeah, I just hope that people don't lose hope, you know, because I know I do a lot and, and I'm a pretty optimistic person, but for the most part, like my pessimism has been really getting the best of me sometimes. And um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. I think that we just have to hold out a couple more, a couple more months and just, when it's Hopefully back, it'll best. be glorious. Yeah, yep. very true. Well, excellent. I gotta, I gotta go back to work. But uh, oh, gross! <laughs> I think I have things to sand and paint. I always have things oh. to sand and paint these days. That but fun, at though. least I'm still working, so you know, not yeah, a theater, but I'm, great. 
I'm building things. I'm learning how to do furniture. So that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even, my, my roommate had to help me like drill my closet into the wall because I'm that incompetent. So I'm very glad that you <laughs> can do those things. Like my room is held together by command strips and like push pins into the wall. <laughs> like none of this, none of any of this art is hung correctly. Oh, but it's it hung. Is, that's good. Right. By push pins. Will it fall <laughs> at some point or another? Absolutely. But we're not going to think about that until it happens. Yeah. You're not in California. <laughs> There's no earthquakes out there. You're fine. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the best part about that. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, George. We really appreciate you being on. And uh, Of course. Yeah. Thanks for being flexible with me. Yeah, excited yeah. to see what comes in the future and what exciting things you're going to do. Going to see if we can Thank find a bootleg copy yeah. of our show to watch. All kinds yeah, of you know, legal things. I mean, I'm sure, I, I'm sure you'll hear. The moment I know something, you'll it'll know something. On, yeah, yep, it'll be, it'll be online. <laughs> That's how we all keep up these days. Really? Well, excellent. Thank you so much. Of course. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Have a good night, y'all. <laughs> you too. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstalktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at twinstalktheater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of incomtech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.